Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey. And the wisdom of God transcends, it lifts you over. Where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. Love is a manifestation of strength. The Holy Spirit produces nothing but strength in us. I want to show you. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfied Radio. Welcome to another episode of On Course with Heart Ramsey. And of course, these special sessions we like to call Heart to Heart, where you get to hear from the heart of Pastor Heart Ramsey directly into your heart about current events, life issues, and much, much more. Pastor Heart, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So there is so much to get into, and so we're just going to jump in as much as we possibly can. Uh, One of the big news items that has gone on, of course, with this Trump administration, and you've been very vocal, which I appreciate, um, this travel ban that took place now about a week ago, uh, which is being heavily contested and debated, and, you know, the judges are like, no, we're not going to do it, and then they're having pressure put on them by Trump. What do you make of all of this and how does this quote unquote make America great again? Well, you know, first of all, the travel ban is exactly what it is, a ban and it's rooted in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, 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 that is amazing about this administration, Gerard, to me is that um, it, it's, bringing to, it's bringing to light the worst part of every part of American society. Absolutely. It, it, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of the issues that are in, in the um, news today, the relevance of the issues has to do with your perspective. And, and so I think what happens to a lot of people who are saying, well, you know, it does make America safer. And aren't you glad? What they're missing is how it looks to the rest of the world. Exactly. So let's take let's let's break it down from just from a Christian, because, you know, um, with me, I'm really concerned about about the agenda of the Lord as it relates to end times, because because we're in the end times. Right. We don't know exactly where we are in the end times, but we are. Mm-hmm. What's going on is. Um, it's going to have the reverse effect, right? Because it it it, get, it sends a message to, from the perspective of the person who's trying to come to America for um refuge, or from the person who actually hates America and is indeed Muslim or, or Buddhist or whatever other faith. He, number one, he's doing this from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. which which speaks to the fact that people they're going to think that all Christians are thinking like this guy, or he's a spokesperson for the, for the, the Christian faith in America. Right. Pretty, pretty much like in, in days gone by the Ayatollah Khomeini or some other um, imam or whatever, some other, some other or religious leader. And he is not a religious leader. He's a, he's a actually a secular president. Right. So the Muslim ban is going to have, and they said don't call it a Muslim ban, but that's exactly what it is. They're targeting Muslims because they're afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, um, the nations that they chose were specifically Muslim nations. So right, and yeah. and the crazy part about this is is that they have the the contingency of of uneducated, um, misinformed, um, rural Americans thinking that that we are in danger of Sharia law and we're in right. danger of 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 an imminent uh, um terrorist attack coming from a Muslim nation. And while all of these, while first of all, Sharia law, you know what it takes to set up Sharia law. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, but but to think that that, that we're going to have some there's some imminent, and when I use the term imminent, it means that nothing is standing in in between 
um, what we are experiencing now and that thing coming to pass. That's what the term imminent means. So they're saying that there's this imminent threat of another attack. But the bottom line is there will always be threats of attack. Um, there's nothing we could do about it. It's, we're not, you can't guard your borders and stop the attack. Right. ISIS is recruiting through the internet, through through social media. Mm-hmm. We have to, we got to think more broadly and we can't be sucked into Donald Trump's idea of, of actually it's discriminatory, number one. Number mm-hmm. two is it's it's ineffective. Right. It's ineffective. So anyway, to, to, to you asked me a question, I went the, the scenic route. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> what, what I think about, about his ban is that it's counterproductive. It's unfortunate. It's closed-minded, narrow-minded, and, and it, it, again, it, it lends itself to, to deepening the divide or widening the divide between um, left and right America. And right now, America is in trouble, Gerard. It, yes. we're, we're in trouble. Yes. The it, hatred that I'm seeing is, 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 is deepening. It's worse. It's, it, it's sad. Yeah, it's very, very sad. And I guess the concern that I have is I'm seeing it where it's affecting even more than Muslim countries. There are countries that have no Muslim affiliation whatsoever that are having now major travel issues. So I want to ask you this question. Why do you think that Christians have been so silent when it comes to speaking out about this travel ban? Because, you know, I'm not seeing people as upset as they would be if, let's say, this were a Christian ban. Why, why, why are they so silent? Well, first of all, you have to understand that America has different kinds of Christians, just like most, most um, Muslim nations have different kinds of Muslims. Okay. So uh, the, the, the Christianity that you're speaking to is what, what I call cultural Christianity. Aha. Okay, there's cultural Christianity, and then th- there's economic Christianity. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you're, they're, they're what, you, what I call real Christians. Right. The real Christians have have a heart for people, believe that Jesus can save anyone at any time in any under any condition. Economic Christianity are those who are making a, a, a living or making a buck on the way Christianity is is packaged and marketed in the United in the United States or in the West. Wow. Okay, and then you have cultural Christianity, which is. Um, the people who hold on, the hate groups come out of cultural Christianity. It's not right. Christianity at all. It's a, it's a American Christianity where there's a white Jesus with long flowing hair and, and his ideology is, is um, white supremacy. And, and that's the, people don't like to hear it, but it's the truth. And I'm not speaking divisively. I'm speaking actually factually. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so the, on the one hand, you have the, the, um, the economic Christian or the or economic uh, Christian leader who, whose brand depends on his silence. He cannot speak out in one direction or another because he's going to lose a, 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 a constituency. So it, it, it does him better to just go ahead and speak his message. He keeps his message going. Whatever he's, his message is, if his message is faith or hope or love, whatever, he keeps preaching that in hopes that the problems will go away. He doesn't take a side because taking a side is not um, lucrative. It, 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 as a matter of fact, it digs into his profit, so he cannot speak to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's driven by economics. The cultural Christian is not speaking out because he agrees with uh, with President Trump. President Trump speaks for these people. He comes out of that. He doesn't know Christ. He doesn't know Scripture. To him, Second Corinthians is two Corinthians because right. he doesn't know the difference. He doesn't know his Bible. He doesn't know the Spirit of God. He's just culturally born into. Uh, he was born in a country where Christianity is the national quote unquote religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you have the real Christians. Who, who on, on the one hand, like myself, I will speak out. I don't care. I'm not for sale. I'm, I'm not, you know, you can't hire me. You can't right. fire me. Right. Uh, I, if, if, my, if my members 
decide they don't want to come to my church because I speak up. That's their loss. The way I see it is I, I owe it to the, to the Lord and to, and to the cause of Christ to speak out. Right. Okay. And then you have the, the, there are some Christians who are called real Christians who believe that their only call is to intercession. We're called to pray. We're called to pray for the president, to pray that God changes his heart, to pray for our nation. And so the, the, there's a conflicting um, ideology. What, what do we do? And, and some Christians are clear that um, we emphasize, for example, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. So we, we pray in faith, but we work. Right. Our work is to be vocal. And then others believe they, the emphasis is, is on the faith part of it, and they don't care so much for the works. That's what we're dealing with. So so what do you say then to to these Christians? And we have seen uh, some artists who have been vocal in this regard that we should pray for our president and we shouldn't oppose what he's doing. But our job is strictly to pray. What what, what do you say to that? Because I, I really see a challenge right now, perhaps more than in any other administration for Christians as to how we should respond to all of this. Well, you know, first of all, uh, I'm going to tell you this. This is important. And what's critical is this. We cannot ever Stop speaking truth in the face. My problem with this administration is that they practice falsehood as as a style of of government. Yes. And so and, the, and you know, the Nazis were actually able to kill six million, million Jews, plus five million other people that never were mentioned. Wow. In all, the Nazis killed 11. They killed 11 million people. Wow. And they were able to do it because they, they control the narrative. They control what was true and what was false. They, con- they, they, they punish the media for everything you see the Trump administration doing right now is what Hitler did years ago. And so what my, my personally, what I try to do is whenever, even if he, if he tweets something that's false, I'm going to check him mm-hmm. personally. People, people tell me, oh, you're disrespecting the president. No. When the president starts respecting the truth, right. then I will, I will start respecting his words. But the truth, the, the, we have to understand this. The moment we allow a lie yeah. or a deception to become the only truth that people know, we are doomed. Right. We have got to. Listen, it's important to me that the Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Mm-hmm. We have got to continue to speak facts, to speak truth in the face of life. Whether his lies are spiritual lies or political lies, we cannot, we have to always side with the truth. Right. You know, Paul, you read the, the book of, of Romans, um, before Paul gets into the doctrine of God's grace and all that, he, he does speak to spiritual things and the sinful condition of man and what God did to address it. But he also speaks to some of the cultural things that were going on in Rome. And if you don't, under, if you've never studied Roman history, you won't even know that that's what he's speaking to. Right. You think he's prophesying about the day. No, he was speaking to what was happening in Rome at the time. And he actually explained, explained how they got there. Wow. They turned the truth of God into a lie. Into a lie. Yeah. That, that's the thing. If, when, you tr- when truth becomes a lie, anything is possible. Wow. Anything is possible. And, and I think with, um, really we're, we're in more danger now mm-hmm. than people think. And this, I don't want this podcast to depress people, but I want to say we, we have to be praying. We have to be alert. Um, saints, go to church. Mm-hmm. Go to church. And even you say, well, my pastor's not talking about it. Well, take what he's preaching and, and see what God is saying to you about what has to happen here. I'm not saying that we revolt. And what I'm saying is there has to be a revolution happening, happening at least in your mind. Right. Right. The revolution has to be, I cannot be bought off with this stuff. I cannot, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to see. You're going to see President Trump, he's going to bring jobs and he's going to do good things. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the cost of it. Wow. 
all, all Satan needs in any society to, to, to turn things upside down even more is, with the, is, is that we worship the creature more than the creator and the truth of God be turned into a lie. After that, anything is possible. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Heart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word Uplift to the number 46786. And daily you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. We got something to say. Listen! Did you know that there is power in your words? Cement that with the brand new remixes to the single, It Is So, from Heart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Pick up the remixes to It Is So from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir. Available now at all digital outlets. Let's go! Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. So, so this makes me wonder, and, and this is probably a really good philosophical conversation. In your opinion, because I have some thoughts as well, why do you think God allowed this to happen, and the, this being the Trump administration. I mean, there are all sorts of, you know, you could make the argument that the popular vote went the other way. Lots of things pointed to reasons why this shouldn't happen. You know, he offended every people group possible. Why do you think God allowed this to happen? Because I think a lot of people are asking this question. Yeah, I, this is what I really believe, and, and I think it's true. Um, God has a, a, a calendar. I think we talked about God's uh, prophetic calendar and if you study uh, eschatology which means end time mm-hmm. events um god has certain things that has to happen and he puts certain leaders in position to, to allow these things to happen mm-hmm. i'm gonna read to you a scripture that i, I, I discovered while uh, teaching the grace conference mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and i'm gonna read it to you and and um it, it's in in isaiah chapter 10 verse 5 it says what sorrow awaits assyria the rod of my anger. I use it as a club to express my anger. I'm sending Assyria against a godless nation, against the people with whom I'm angry. Assyria will, will plunder them, trampling them like dirt beneath its feet. That's verse six. Verse seven says, but the king of Assyria will not understand that he is my tool. Wow. His mind does not work that way. His plan is simply to destroy, to cut down nation after nation. He will say, each of my princes will soon be a king. We destroyed Calno. Just as we did Carchemish, Hamath fell before us as Arpad did. And we destroyed Samaria just as we did Damascus. Yes, he, he had finished, we have finished rather off many a, a kingdom whose gods were greater than those in Jerusalem and Samaria. So we will defeat Jerusalem and her gods just as we destroyed Samaria with hers. Verse 12 says, after the Lord has used the king of Assyria to accomplish his purposes mm. on, on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is prophetic of the church and in Jerusalem, which is, of course, speaking to Israel itself. He will turn against the king of Assyria and punish him for he's proud and arrogant. Mm -hmm. He boasts 
By my own powerful arm, I have done this. With my own shrewd wisdom, I planned it. I have broken down the defenses of nations and carried off their treasures. I have knocked down their kings like a bull. I have robbed their nests of riches and gathered up kingdoms as a farmer gathers eggs. No one can even flap a wing against me or utter a peep of protest. Wow. But but can the axe boast greater I'm sorry, but can the axe boast greater power than the person who uses it? Is the saw greater than the person who saws? Can a rod strike unless a hand moves it? Can a wooden cane walk by itself? Therefore, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies will send a plague among Assyria's proud troops and a flaming fire. And then he goes on to talk about what he will do to judge the king of Assyria. When I read this, Gerard, it reminded me so much of the of just the mentality and the perspective of Donald Trump. Wow. God is using him because America turned from God as a nation. Mm-hmm. We were pulling so hard left and, and, we, and we were changing again the truth of God into a lie. We were saying we were saying our sins weren't sins at all. They were alternate lifestyles. They were different things. And so because we chose um, alternative lifestyles, God now is a, has, has a government in place that gives us alternative facts. Mm-hmm. Wow. You see wow. what I'm saying? Wow. And so, and so, all of this, God needed someone. Like, for example, right now, God needed a man who who was uh, favorable towards uh, Vladimir Putin in war in Russia. Because when you take the the map and standing up, stand it up, Russia is the king of the north. It, in in the book of Ezekiel and um and um the book of Revelation, chapter twenty, I think, around verse eight, uh, Russia is called Gog and Magog. Mm. And when you start looking at at the movement of of Russia. Um, they're taking this country and they're taking that country. They've invaded uh, Syria, Aleppo. You know what people are missing is if you if you look at the map from north to south, Russia is getting closer and closer with each conquest to Israel. My goodness. Yeah, they, they, they are right now. Russia is, is uh, um, as as the crow flies in a straight line distance, about sixteen hundred miles away from Israel. But the more of these territories that they are illegally taking, mm-hmm. they're getting closer and closer. Right now, with the last territory that they took, they're about 200 and something miles away. Wow. So, so they closed the gap 1,400 miles, and, and God needed a person in the White House who will not stop them because that's the way it's supposed to happen. Mm. And then you look at China, who is the king of the East, buying up a lot of property in the West. Why? Because they plan to move West. And when you look at this little Look at it on the map. You see Russia coming south towards Jerusalem, and then you see um, uh, China coming west towards Jerusalem. And what it all is, what was really going to happen in the end is Armageddon is going to be fought with the king of the north and the king of the east coming against Jerusalem. And the Bible says then Jesus will manifest himself in, in the Kidron Valley. And, the, and, and when the battle starts, he will step in and the blood is going to flow to the horse's bridle. So, so I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I just said a lot of things that people don't understand, but what I'm trying to say to you is that what we're seeing, we are, we are actually alive to see prophecy starting to really fulfill itself in a very practical way. Which for many is exciting and others scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know and, and you all, you're usually afraid of what you don't understand. True. Very yeah. true. Very, very true. So so I had a theory, and you tell me what you think about this, because I think one of the other underlying theories with this is also part of separating, dare I say, wheat from the tear in terms of church. 
Um, in in terms of, you know, I felt like the election and certainly everything after that is really showing not just the divide in the country, but the divide in the church as well in terms of, you know, not not so much political parties, but who really believes in what injustice really looks like or what justice really looks like and how divided we as a church are politically. Is that of a concern to you? Do you think that makes sense? What, What are your thoughts on that? I think God is calling his church to, to accountability. Mm-hmm. I think I think what you have is, now the divide in America really is, is the haves and the have-nots. Right now what you're seeing is a billionaire was elected president, um, and then he brought in a billionaire cabinet. Right. So the one, the 1% of, of, of Americans that own the wealth are now in power. But you have to understand that same that same mentality exists in the church. Um, there's there's a, there the haves and the have-nots. Wow. And, and um the black church in particular, it, we are the children of slaves, of former slaves. Right. Um, we, we, we are the ones that, that are actually the face of, of the civil rights movement. It was the black church. Mm-hmm. And so and so now um, there, there's a contingency of the white church that's still uncomfortable with the fact that there was a civil rights movement. Right. And they're comfortable uh, uh, with segregated worship. That's the, that's the last part of, of the segregation that's left. Jim Crow really um, was eliminated in every facet of society except the church. Wow. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. You we're worshiping a God and violating every principle of human um, interaction that he that he's um, set in place. Good. There's the, there's, our love is the, the church love has, has been suspect for years and is showing by the way we ignore the world. Right. And so God has to or judgment does begin in the house of the Lord. But again, I don't know if, if I ever share this with you. But when you study that concept, this term judgment shall begin in the house of the Lord. When, when, the, when the apostle Paul or whoever the apostle of the new covenant that said it, the New Testament said it, he was making reference to a statement in Ezekiel hmm. where the judgment, when judgment began in the house of the Lord, the presence of the Lord was leaving the temple. And God, God actually sent some assassins into the earth and told him, when, um, I want you to judge every man, woman, boy and girl that doesn't have my mark. He said, oh, by the way, start in the house. Wow. Start in the church and, and, and in the temple. And the Bible says that when, when the presence of God left the temple and, and the assassins came in, they're looking for someone in the in the temple who had the mark of, of approval of God. And they end up killing every leader in the church, in the temple because no one in the temple had the mark. Mm. In other words, God did not count them as being righteous. Now, that's under the old covenant. It's pretty scary. Don't think that's going to happen today. God is not killing people physically. <laughs> but what he's doing is he's calling people out for being for, for having a, a worldly mentality in the church. And the worldly mentality is not that they go to the club or they drink. No, the worldly mentality is, is that they still see the church as a club of us and them. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so, good. That's 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 really really good. So then, what do we do? Uh, and, and when I say what do we do as the church, you know, in in what certainly seems to be a separation in the church, a separation in community, how does the church become whole again? Because well, I, th- I think, yeah, go ahead. I think well, well, go go to finish your question because I mean, I mean. Yeah, no, no. I was, I was going to say because it's very clear that there are, there's a fracture, and it seems as though, you know, I, I think it was, it may have been Martin Luther King. If not, I knew it was happening during the Civil Rights Movement, where the statement was made that 11 a.m. on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in our country, because you know African Americans go to their corner, our Caucasian brothers go to their corner, um, and they worship. Now, of course, now there are some multicultural churches, but still, by and large, you have this massive fracture that many people seem to have become comfortable with. So how do we how do we 
have this wholeness because there's not going to be a black and white heaven. Right. You know, I think what it has to, it begins with repentance. You know, I was, I was on Twitter this morning um, and I tweeted a bunch of words and I call them casualties of 2016. Wow. One of them is empathy. Another word that comes to mind is understanding. Another is respect. Another is compassion. There's love, there's unity. What happens, you know, what's happening with us today is that we we are so um, hateful divided it's like it's, it's it's we don't see the other person's point of view right. and and i can i understand for example i understand those who are afraid of, of open borders i understand of those who i understand those who believe that maybe if if there weren't so many immigrants then they have a better chance at jobs but here's the reality i'm gonna say this real quick and i don't know if we have time for this but i'll say this mm-hmm. there's a thing there's a thing called the hb1 visa you ever heard of it yes it's, 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 okay people, that, people, that's the 90-day one right Right, but what people, I don't know if it's a 90-day one, but what I do know about it is called the Genius Visa. Okay. That, that, that um, you know, America has, has one of the worst educational systems in the world. Right. But what keeps us ab- above the rest in technology and invention and different things is we have a visa that we issue that, that all geniuses from every nation could apply for. If you're a genius, we give you this visa, you come in, you work for us, and you help our companies develop tech and different kind of tech, uh, um, um, new um, gadgets or whatever, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, if if we were to stop issuing that visa, listen, fifty wow. percent, over fifty percent of the of the smartest people in the United States are not even American. That's true. They're here on that genius visa. Wow. And so, and so, what I'm, what I'm, I think, what where my heart is with this whole thing is, as far as the church is concerned, we have got to get to the place where we have to understand that something is wrong with us. Something is wrong with the way we 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 do. Sure, something is wrong mm-hmm. with the, with our brand of I hate to use this term, but our brand of religion. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with it is is that we are as messed up as 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 uh, the Muslims are. It, it, you know, in our eyes, we look at them and we say they're radical. You know mm-hmm. what? We have they're parts of Christianity that's radicalized. Absolutely. And the, right now, the alt right that's in the White House, that whole alt right, Steve Bannon, that whole um, mentality. That's exactly what's wrong with the church, and it's in power right now. Mm-hmm. The only way to fix it is to is to own it, call it wrong, and repent of it. Right. Wow, that's incredibly, incredibly powerful stuff. And I think it's it's important that we understand that because again, you know, so many of us are guilty of just being good with, hey, this is how we do church, this is how they do church, this is how we express, this is how they express. And I've often heard pastors, uh, certainly growing up and certainly now being in the South again, um, who will who will readily talk about, quote unquote, the white man or the man or the this with very racially charged language that doesn't look to really see both sides of the coin. Do you think and, and, and this is interesting, particularly as we're in Black History Month. Do you think that there is a place to be uh, able to speak directly to a pro-black audience and celebrate that? Or should we really be doing more pushing of bringing people together? You know, uh, that's, a, that's a great question. This is what I think. I think that there are facts that have to be that must be kept at the forefront mm-hmm. because they're, they're too easily buried. You can't keep you can't resurrect these facts and these historical truths and, and keep them before the people with just um, the shortest month in the year. Right. OK. And so so we there has to be a unifying message that does not ignore or negate the historical facts 
of of what is really going on. And, and what's really going on is there is a, a push or a, a contingency of people in the United States that are bothered that the children of slaves mm-hmm. are on equal are, are trying to be on equal footing with the children of slave or former slave owners. That's the bottom line. Right. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is is that it's um America and, and not just America, most Western nations who claim to be democracies are really um are they're more comfortable being governed by those by the wealthy mm-hmm. and by certain families with the rest of, of, of society being um are subjugated to those people because they believe that they're smarter because they're they're wealthier or whatever. And I think we have to speak to these injustices. We have to speak to injustice from a place, from an informed place, not just from an angry place, but from a very informed place and from a spiritual place. And it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, Gerard, that one person will have uh, uh, the whole message. There'll be different voices speaking from different angles to, to, to communicate this truth. Okay. Okay. So you need the you need the person that's speaking from the civil rights perspective, the person that's speaking from the gospel perspective. You're gonna have the you need all these. You need the politician. You need the the um the news reporter. You're gonna need all these people with with clarity speaking to this issue. Mm, that's really good. And so with that, and before we go, I want to ask this: How do then? So so what would you tell pastors in this scenario? And in the scenario of Certainly you have a predominantly African-American congregation or for the many pastors who are ultimately looking to integrate their uh, their their congregations. What do you tell them in terms of trying to help bring unity? Because I do think if it's going to happen in our country, it's got to start in the church. It does. And this is what I, be- this is what I, I believe we should do. Number one, as much as possible, um, speak to the, the current events, but don't speak to it politically. Okay. Put it in in context of of um eschatology, end time events. Put it in in the context of spirituality. Show how Satan's hand is in it. Reveal his fingerprints. Mm. Um, show the people what the scripture says about this kind of behavior, this kind of mentality. Um, teach your people um how how to be proactive and and how to be and, and if needs be how how to be resistant. Mm. But but at the same time, um. Never let the people of God forget that they are the people of God. Yeah. Never, never allow us to. Don't let the church uh, fall into into either Dems or Reps or, or Libs or or, or or conservatives. It has to be that we have a different citizenship. We we are people of God. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We are the light of the world, the salt of the uh, of the earth. Um, and so our job is to is to make us a, a difference, just a seasoning wooden food. We make a difference, but at the same time, and I love this term that this generation invented. We have to be woke. We have to be woke at all yeah. times. And and uh, and when we speak truth to power, we have to understand that there's a greater power standing behind us, right? Give, give giving us a, 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 a leverage that we wouldn't otherwise have. Uh. So, so good. I really hope you guys are enjoying these conversations. We call them Heart to Heart as part of On Course with Heart Ramsey. An amazing, an amazing time. Hey, listen, join us next time. We're going to have more of this kind of conversation. Do us a favor. Share this podcast with your friends and loved ones and reach out to us using that great hashtag, Heart to Heart. We'll see you next time on On Course with Heart Ramsey.